Section 21 of Three Science Fiction Novellas by Lee Brackett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part 1 of The Vanishing Venusians The breeze was steady enough, but it was not in a hurry. It filled the lug sail just hard enough to push the dirty weed-grown hull through the water, and no harder. Matt Harker lay alongside the tiller and counted the trickles of sweat crawling over his nakedness, and stared with sullen, opaque eyes into the indigo night. Anger, leashed and impotent, rose in his throat like bitter vomit. The sea, Rory McLaren's Venusian wife called it the sea of morning opals, lay unstirring, black, streaked with phosphorescence. The sky hung low over it, the thick cloud blanket of Venus that had made the sun a half-remembered legend to the exiles from Earth. Riding lights burned in the blue gloom, strung out in line. Twelve ships, thirty-eight hundred people, going no place, trapped in the interval between birth and death, and not knowing what to do about it. Matt Harker glanced upward at the sail, and then at the stern lantern of the ship ahead. His face, in the dim glow that lights Venus even at night, was a gaunt oblong of shadows and hard bone, seamed and scarred with living, with wanting and not having, with dying and not being dead. He was a lean man, wiry and not tall, with a snake-like surety of motion. Somebody came scrambling quietly aft along the deck, avoiding the sleeping bodies crowded everywhere. Parker said, without emotion, Hi, Rory. Rory McLaren said, Hi, Matt. He sat down. He was young, perhaps half Harker's age. There was still hope in his face, but it was growing tired. He sat for a while without speaking, looking at nothing, and then said, Honest to God, Matt, how much longer can we last? What's the matter, kid? Starting to crack? I don't know. Maybe. When are we going to stop somewhere? When we find a place to stop. Is there a place to stop? Seems like ever since I was born, we've been hunting. There's always something wrong. Hostile natives, or fever, or bad soil. Always something. And we go on again. It's not right. It's not any way to try to live. I told you not to go having kids. What's that got to do with it? You start worrying. The kid isn't even here yet, and already you're worrying. Sure I am. McLaren put his head in his hands suddenly and swore. Harker knew he did that to keep from crying. I'm worried, McLaren said, that maybe the same thing will happen to my wife and kid that happened to yours. We got fever aboard. Harker's eyes were like blown coals for an instant. Then he glanced up at the sail and said, They'd be better off if it didn't live. That's no kind of thing to say. It's the truth. Like you ask me, when are we going to stop somewhere? Maybe never. You bellyache about it ever since you were born. Well, I've been at it longer than that. Before you were born, I saw our first settlement burned by the cloud people, and my mother and father crucified in their own vineyard. I was there when this trek to the promised land began, back on earth, and I'm still waiting for the promise. 
The sinews in Harker's face were drawn like knots of wire. His voice had a terrible quietness. Your wife and kid would be better off to die now, while Vicky's still young and has hope, and before the child ever opens its eyes. Sim, the big black man, relieved Harker before dawn. He started singing softly, something mournful and slow as the breeze and beautiful. Harker cursed him and went up into the bow to sleep, but the song stayed with him. Oh, I looked over Jordan, and what did I see? Coming for to carry me home? Harker slept. Presently he began to moan and twitch, and then cry out. People around him woke up. They watched with interest. Harker was a lone woeful wake, ill-tempered and violent. When, at long intervals, he would have one of his spells, no one was anxious to help him out of it. They liked peeping inside of Harker when he wasn't looking. Harker didn't care. He was playing in the snow again. He was seven years old, and the drifts were high and white, and above them the sky was so blue and clean that he wondered if God mopped it every few days like Mom did the kitchen floor. The sun was shining. It was like a great gold coin, and it made the snow burn like crushed diamonds. He put his arms up to the sun, and the cold air slapped him with clean hands, and he laughed. And then it was all gone. By God, somebody said, ain't them tears on his face? Bawling, bawling like a little kid. Listen at him. Hey, said the first one sheepishly, reckon we ought to wake him up? Hell with him, the old sourpuss. Hey, listen to that. Dad, Harker whispered. "'Dad, I want to go home.' Dawn came like a sifting of fire opals through the layers of the pearl-gray cloud. Harker heard the yelling dimly in his sleep. He felt dull and tired, and his eyelids stuck together. The yelling gradually took shape and became the word land, repeated over and over. Harker kicked himself awake and got up. The tideless sea glimmered with opaline colors under the mist. Flocks of little jewel-scaled sea dragons rose up from the ever-present floating islands of weed, and the weed itself, part of it, writhed and stretched with sentient life. Ahead there was a long, low hummock of muddy ground fading into tangled swamp. Beyond it, rising sheer into the clouds, was a granite cliff a sweeping escarpment that stood like a wall against the hopeful gaze of the exiles. Harker found Rory McLaren standing beside him, his arm around Vicky, his wife. Vicky was one of several Venusians who had married into the Earth colony. Her skin was clear white, her hair a glowing silver, her lips vividly red. Her eyes were like the sea, changeable, full of hidden life. Just now they had that special look that the eyes of women get when they're thinking about creation. Harker looked away. McLaren said, It's land. Harker said, It's mud. It's swamp. It's fever. It's like the rest. Vicky said, Can we stop here just a little while? Harker shrugged. That's up to Gibbons. He wanted to ask what the hell difference it made where the kid was born, 
but for once he held his tongue. He turned away. Somewhere in the waste a woman was screaming in delirium. There were three shapes wrapped in ragged blankets and laid on planks by the port scuppers. Harker's mouth twitched in a crooked smile. We'll probably stop long enough to bear him, he said. Maybe that'll be time enough. He caught a glimpse of McLaren's face. The hope in it was not tired any more. It was dead. Dead, like the rest of Venus. Gibbons called the chief men together aboard the ship, the leaders, the fighters and hunters and seamen, the tough leathery men who were the armor around the soft body of the colony. Harker was there, and McLaren. McLaren was young, but up until lately he had had a quality of optimism that cheered his shipmates, a natural leadership. Gibbons was an old man. He was the original guiding spirit of the 5,000 colonists who had come out from Earth to start on a new world. Time and tragedy, disappointment and betrayal had marked him cruelly, but his head was still high. Harker admired his guts while cursing him for an idealistic fool. The inevitable discussion started as to whether they should try a permanent settlement on this mudflat or go on wandering over the endless, chartless seas. Harker said impatiently, For cripe's sake, look at the place. Remember the last time? Remember the time before that, and stop bleeding. Sim, the big black, said quietly, the people are getting awful tired. A man was meant to have roots someplace. There's going to be trouble pretty soon if we don't find land. Harker said, You think you can find some, pal? Go to it. Gibbon said heavily, But he's right. There's hysteria, fever, dysentery, and boredom, and the boredom's worst of all. McLaren said, I vote to settle. Harker laughed. He was leaning by the cabin port, looking out at the cliffs. The gray granite looked clean above the swamp. Harker tried to pierce the clouds that hid the top, but couldn't. His dark eyes narrowed. The heated voices behind him faded into distance. Suddenly he turned and said, Sir, I'd like permission to see what's at the top of those cliffs. There was complete silence. Then Gibbon said slowly, We've lost too many men on journeys like that before, only to find the plateau uninhabitable. There's always the chance. Our first settlement was in the high plateaus, remember? Clean air, good soil, no fever. I remember, Gibbon said. I remember. He was silent for a while. Then he gave Harker a shrewd glance. I know you, Matt. I might as well give permission. Harker grinned. You won't miss me much anyhow. I'm not a good influence anymore. He started for the door. Give me three weeks. You'll take that long to careen and scrape the bottoms anyhow. Maybe I'll come back with something. McLaren said, I'm going with you, Matt. Harker gave him a level-eyed stare. You'd better stay with Vicky. If there's good land up there, and anything happens to you so you can't come back and tell us. Like not bothering to come back, maybe? I didn't say that. Like we both won't come back, but two is better than one. Harker smiled. 
The smile was enigmatic and not very nice. Gibbon said, He's right, Matt. Harker shrugged. Then Sim stood up. Two is good, he said, but three is better. He turned to Gibbons. There's nearly five hundred of us, sir. If there's new land up there, we ought to share the burden of finding it. Gibbons nodded. Harker said, You're crazy, Sim. Why do you want to do all that climbing, maybe to no place? Sim smiled. His teeth were unbelievably white in the sweat-polished blackness of his face. But that's what my people always done, Matt. A lot of climbing, to no place. They made their preparations and had a last night's sleep. McLaren said goodbye to Vicky. She didn't cry. She knew why he was going. She kissed him, and all she said was, Be careful. All he said was, I'll be back before he's born. They started at dawn, carrying dried fish and sea berries made into pemmican, and their long knives and ropes for climbing. They had long ago run out of ammunition for their few blasters, and they had no equipment for making more. All were adept at throwing spears, and carried three short ones barbed with bone across their backs. It was raining when they crossed the mud flat wading thigh-deep in heavy mist. Harker led the way through the belt of swamp. He was an old hand at it, with an uncanny quickness in spotting vegetation that was independently alive and hungry as he was. Venus is one vast hothouse, and the plants have developed into species as varied and marvelous as the reptiles or the mammals crawling out of the Precambrian seas as primitive flagellates and growing wills of their own, with appetites and motive power to match. The children of the colony learned at an early age not to pick flowers. The blossoms too often bit back. The swamp was narrow, and they came out of it safely. A great swamp dragon, Alation, screamed not far off, but they hunt by night, and it was too sleepy to chase them. Harker stood finally on firm ground and studied the cliff. The rock was roughened by weather, hacked at by ages of erosion, savaged by earthquake. There were stretches of loose shale and great slabs that looked as though they would peel off at a touch, but Harker nodded. We can climb it, he said. Question is, how high is up? Sim laughed. High enough for the Golden City, maybe. Have we got a clear conscience? Can't carry no load of sin that far. Rory McLaren looked at Harker. Harker said, All right, I confess. I don't care if there's land up there or not. All I wanted was to get the hell out of that damn boat before I went clean nuts. So now you know. McLaren nodded. He didn't seem surprised. Let's climb. By morning of the second day, they were in the clouds. They crawled upward through the opal-tinted steam, half-liquid, hot and unbearable. They crawled for two more days. The first night or two, Sim sang during his watch, while they rested on some ledge. After that, he was too tired. McLaren began to give out, though he wouldn't say so. Matt Harker grew more taciturn and ill-tempered, if possible, but otherwise there was no change. The clouds continued to hide the top of the cliff. 
During one rest break, McLaren said hoarsely, Don't these cliffs ever end? His skin was yellowish, his eyes glazed with fever. Maybe, said Harker, they go right up beyond the sky. The fever was on him again, too. It lived in the marrow of the exiles, coming out at intervals to shake and sear them, and then retreating. Sometimes it did not retreat, and after nine days there was no need. McLaren said, You wouldn't care if they did, would you? I didn't ask you to come, but you wouldn't care. Ah, shut up. McLaren went for Harker's throat. Harker hit him, with great care and accuracy. McLaren sagged down and shook his head in his hands and wept. Sim stayed out of it. He shook his head, and after a while he began to sing to himself, or someone beyond himself. Oh, nobody knows the trouble I see. Harker pulled himself up. His ears rang and he shivered uncontrollably, but he could still take some of McLaren's weight on himself. They were climbing a steep ledge fairly wide and not difficult. Let's get on, said Harker. About two hundred feet beyond that point, the ledge dipped and began to go down again in a series of broken steps. Overhead, the cliff face bulged outward. Only a fly could have climbed it. They stopped. Harker cursed with vicious slowness. Sim closed his eyes and smiled. He was a little crazy with fever himself. Golden City's at the top. That's where I'm going. He started off along the ledge, following its decline toward a jutting shoulder, around which it vanished. Harker laughed sardonically. McLaren pulled free of him and went doggedly after Sim. Harker shrugged and followed. Around the shoulder the ledge washed out completely. They stood still. The steaming clouds shut them in before, and behind was a granite wall hung within thick, freshly creepers. Dead end. Well, said Harker. McLaren sat down. He didn't cry or say anything. He just sat. Sim stood with his arms hanging and his chin on his huge black chest. Harker said, See what I meant about the promised land? Venus is a fixed wheel, and you can't win. It was then that he noticed the cool air. He had thought it was just a fever chill, but it lifted his hair, and it had a definite pattern on his body. It even had a cool, clean smell to it. It was blowing out through the creepers. Harker began ripping with his knife. He broke through into a cave mouth, a jagged rip worn smooth at the bottom by what must once have been a river. That draft is coming from the top of the plateau, Harker said. Wind must be blowing up there and pushing it down. There may be a way through. McLaren and Sim both showed a slow, terrible growth of hope. The three of them went without speaking into the tunnel. End of Part 1